You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Today on the ZabeCast, the irresistible catnip that is hashtag me too, and why the internet was not just going to let Sean White enjoy his Olympic moment in the sun. Speaking of that, some interesting follow-up from the Michigan State Outside the Lines expose or hit piece. You make the call. Drew Olson joins us on Fungo Bats and the Death of Newspapers, and Hogzilla meets Hogwarts. You got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Do not gorge on those silly little message hearts today on Valentine's Day 2018, Feb 14. Thank you for tuning in to the ZabeCast, the extra bonus on top of everything else. 45 minutes of me and friends of Zabe. You can only get one place, the glorious internet. Download this podcast, listen to it wherever you want, wherever you can. I'm doing my best to distribute it in as many channels as possible. Yes, the little conversation hearts, I believe is what they are called. They might be the worst candy ever invented. And... You know me, I am Mel Candy Jr. I guess people like them just because they're a once a year thing. They're just so hard and chalky and you you do not eat candy hearts, candy conversation hearts during Valentine's Day and go, wow, these are really tasty. Of course, some people would say the same thing about candy corn. I kind of like candy corn. So maybe I'm in the minority on that one. But I think conversation hearts are pretty awful. So go easy on those today. Also, let me start by saying happy birthday to my beautiful and faithful wife, Dina. 50 years old today. She's a a Valentine's gal and she turns 50 today. I thought about getting a 50-piece marching band to wake her up in the front yard. And then I said, nah, she doesn't want that. I thought about buying her 50 roses. And I thought... Nah, she didn't want that. A dozen will do. I thought about a lot of things, and then I'm like, well, we are going to South Africa, thanks to Ronnie Mervis and the Mervis Diamonds excursion via ESPN 980. Oops, that's $2 in the tip jar. Via the team 980. That's coming up uh, later on. We're leaving Saturday, so there you go. And, you know, she's a simple gal, and I just said, look, here's a coupon, a $500 just splurge on something coupon 
in the birthday card that I gave her. If you're feeling it in Africa, you find something you really like. I don't know what we'd buy in Africa for 500 bucks, an elephant tusk maybe, uh, illegally. Uh, no, I don't want that. I'm not going to support poachers. Whatever. I uh, just said, just go ahead and splurge. Lord knows I spend enough money of my own on needless drones and cameras and lenses and everything else. So happy birthday uh, to my wife, a Valentine's girl on this Valentine's Day. What a call last night. What an event last night as Sean White at 31 years old does not the impossible, but certainly not what people expected, wins the gold medal in the men's half pipe. This was the call on NBC. Sean White for the gold. 14-40. He needs the back-to-backs to take down Ayumu and gets it. The second 14-40. Delta McTwist, 12-60. Sean White, one more hit. Will it be enough? Frontside, 12. Perfect. That is the run that he needed, and he put it down. And the score is in. It's the return of the king in the men's half. Boom! Mic drop right there. White is the new gold. That's a great call, and I don't know if he spent all night, Jim Nance style, staying up in his hotel to go, what if Sean White wins it? What should I say? What? Oh, this would be good. Maybe he crowd... By the way, that was either Todd Harris or Todd Richards. That's the best I could do. I found the play-by-play and color guy for the half-pipe on NBC. Todd Harris, play-by-play, Todd Richards... As analyst, it was one of the one of the two Todds that had that great line, that white is the new gold. Todd, 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 Todd. We got a lot of Todds here. I don't know who any of those guys are. I don't know. I don't know. Not any. I don't know which Todd is which. I don't know what they do. Are they former snowboarders? I don't know. They did a good job. I enjoyed it. It was a great call. Great moment. Of course, the moment couldn't just stand because, well, Sean White had a bit of an unfortunate encounter with a employee-slash-band member of his from several years ago that ended up in a lawsuit and ended up in a settlement. Here was how NBC spun it on the morning show today. It all came down to White's third and final run. Sean White for the gold! The 31-year-old seizing the moment with a show-stopping aerial display highlighted by back-to-back 1440s. And the score is in. It's the return of the king in the men's half-pipe. For White, it was the ultimate redemption after failing to medal in Sochi four years ago and coming off a devastating injury in October that required 62 stitches in his face. But the win, not without controversy. Overnight, headlines resurfacing surrounding a 2016 lawsuit accusing the snowboarder of sexual harassment. The former drummer in White's rock band, Bad Things, says White sexually harassed her, sent her explicit texts, and refused to pay her. White and the drummer reached an undisclosed settlement in the spring of 2017. He was asked about the case earlier on Today. You know, every experience in my life, I feel like it's, it's taught me a lesson, and I definitely feel like I'm a much more changed person than I was when I was younger. So there you go. Headlines 
resurfacing. Ooh, resurface. Ooh, what surface there? What is it? Is it a monster? No, it's just a headline. Is it news? No, it's not really news. It's just a rehashing of the fact that, yes, this bit of unpleasantness happened, and it was settled. If you believe in the meaning of the word settled, as in settled, as in over. Of course, with the media, it's never settled. It's always something that can stir up controversy. It was not without controversy. What's the controversy? Sean White should have never been allowed to represent America because he got into a dispute with his drummer from his rock band, his stupid piddling-ass rock band, and so he shouldn't be in a, Like, that wasn't a controversy, was it? Did he cheat to win the event? No, so there's not controversy. It's not controversy, it's just clickbait for television. It is catnip that they cannot resist. And if they do resist it, if they do NBC decide, you know what, we're not going over that because it has nothing to do with this and it's been, quote, settled. So despite the mood of the times or whatever hashtag is trending now, we're going to cover the Olympics and we're going to cover Sean White, the athlete. If they dare to do that, and they did during the competition, they get headlines like this from Slate, NBC silent on Sean White's sexual harassment allegations. Oh, boy. Yes, they were silent. How dare NBC be silent? Of course, the next morning they brought it up, and he got to say what he had to say about it. And, you know, the dogs bark and the caravan moves on, but the the media just cannot resist. Jeff Passan, who I like and I think is an outstanding writer, normally covers baseball. He's been deployed to South Korea to cover the Olympics. Pumped out a fort. 1,500-word essay, not essay, and maybe it's not for He pumped out, I didn't count the words. I'm, I'm just guessing from my own experience. Jeff Passan, huge piece about reconciling Sean White, the Olympian, with these ugly allegations. Writes Passan, White made jokes in front of the other band members, according to Ms. Zawadeh's lawsuit, about how he could, quote, get away with sexual harassment and evade a lawsuit. She ensured that was not the case. And while her allegations may never be proven irrefutably true, why irrefutably true? Well, what's the difference between irrefutably true and proven true? True or mostly true or kind of true or yeah, yeah, for the most part, true. There's true and there's not true, right? They resurfaced, writes Passon, on the day that was supposed to personify Sean White's glorious return to greatness in a small pocket of South Korea to a small group of people whose love for him knew no bounds. He delivered to so many who saw the text messages, read the allegations. The notion of redemption was nothing more than a canard to distract from a far uglier story. Gag. I mean, seriously. It was a lawsuit over back pay in a rock band led by a snowboarder. Not a very good rock band. This woman was being paid 3000 a month to drum for this band. Sean White was an immature dick at times. Asked her to cut her hair. Asked her to wear sexier get-ups on stage. I don't know if that's even allowed. Uh, I mean... 
you would think that if you're the leader of the band and you tell somebody to get a haircut or you're fired, that that would be within their right because it's a performance in which you want to control the look and the vibe of the band. I would think. Of course, if you hired a male drummer and you told him to cut his hair and he didn't want to, it'd be a fist fight over bourbon and then it'd be settled one way or the other. He sent gross dick pics via text message and other gross, lewd videos. And there were some alleged drunken advances, although never proven because it never actually went to court. A lawsuit was filed, first for the back pay, then later was refiled that included the other stuff about the sexual harassment. Sean White decided, you know what? I'm going to get my wallet out and pay this thing away like many people and many companies do. And it was done. And it was done. It was settled. So the need to bring it up now, I mean, there is no need. But in this climate, it's programming for the media. It's clicks for Jeff Passan, whose article is going to get favorited and liked and passed around by legions of fans of hashtag Me Too and passionate supporters of the movement. It's going to get a lot of clicks. And it's going to show up. They're going to know exactly how many clicks it gets. And his editors and his bosses are going to go, good job, good job. That story about Sean White killed. Had Jeff Passan just wrote about, man, what a run that was. He nailed two backside 41440s or whatever the hell it is. And then he won the gold. And here was the guy he beat from Japan. He's only 19 years old. And, boy, in the history of snowboarding, no one over the age of 30 has ever blah, 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 blah. Crickets. See how many clicks that gets. gets. Send me down message boards. That's get posted to. It's programming. It's essential clicks. So there you go on that. Good for Sean White. And uh, yeah, uh, for those that need the clicks because of Me Too. And oh yeah, I remember that time as a drummer in the rock band? Yeah, okay. It's out there. You can read it all. I actually read several articles on it. I was like, so what happened again exactly? Oh, okay. And it was uh, it was not good. It was borderline, if you believe her allegations, if you believe her text messages, it was kind of wrong. But I don't know the whole story. Speaking of which, Mike Valenti of the ticket 97-1 in Detroit. He is, of course, the guy famous for the Michigan State rant. Again. That's Mike Valenti. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm coming around to how unfair it is that Mr. Valenti, who I've had on my show before, is sort of only known for that awesome, incredible, passionate rant about Michigan State blowing a football game against Notre Dame. Because the more I listen to Mike and the more I listen to his work, I keep coming back to, holy shit, this guy is really good. He's got great pipes. I mean, really, really good pipes. Very smart, can synthesize and deliver a complicated issue I think very well, very little wasted motion or not wasted motion, very little, shall we say, wasted words or crutch phrases in his delivery. He's good. He's really good. So the Michigan State thing, we talked about this earlier. I wrote about this a while back. The outside the lines piece after the Larry Nasser sentencing, they tried to ESPN sort of get a big bungee cord and wrap football and basketball into it to to bring up 
incidents involving Michigan State football players under Mike D'Antoni and Michigan State basketball players under Tom Izzo. A giant bungee cord. We know that this has nothing to do. We know that the Larry Nassar thing really has nothing to do with the basketball and football program, but can we make it that? Because then we've got some programming. Then we've got something that we can go, hey, you know, nobody really cares about gymnastics. They care that monsters who molest young gymnasts are put to jail and put under the jail and buried under the jail, but they don't care about gymnastics per se. People in this country as sports fans care about football and basketball. And so ESPN outside the lines with the unctuous hairpiece, Bob Lee, I know, it's his real hair, the unctuous beard, Bob Lee, I'm Bob Lee. I move my head in four directions. It goes up and left and down. Today, we investigate, and not all that Bob Lee does is bad, and I'm kind of okay with him, but that said, this piece on Michigan State basketball and football, as they tried to bungee cord it to the scandal by Larry Nasser, was a giant nothing burger. It was a, so what are you saying exactly? The crux of the piece focused on this grad student, Travis Ford, who ended up leaving the school after he was alleged to have gotten into a bar incident with, uh, uh, gotten into a fight. He was alleged to have punched a girl, a woman in the face and knocked her out. Alleged. He said, she said. The case went through the criminal system up in East Lansing. And at the end of the road, the case got, you know, his situation got knocked down to something like a littering fine, which sounds weird and what? How do you go from punching a woman in the face at a bar to a littering fine? And the thrust of the ESPN outside the line story was sort of on this, well, doesn't this look fishy? A punch in the face ends up a plea deal for a littering ticket? That seems unusual. And in fact, Paula Levine, who wrote the piece and who uh, was at the front of the reporting, said as much. She said, oh, well, they told us this was very unusual. Implying what? Nefarious meddling by the basketball coach and the basketball program to go, oh, let's make sure that our guy doesn't get into too much trouble. Let's, Let's make them plead this down to a littering ticket. That was the thrust of the ESPN piece. Mike Valenti now takes it over from here. Turns out, according to reporting in the Detroit Free Press, oh no, 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 it was actually very common that that was the case. Because here's two guys that work the case bringing facts, you know, the F word we all enjoy, facts to the table that it's actually very common. I'll continue. Yeadon told the Free Press, those types of agreements are not out of the ordinary in East Lansing. They are extremely common. Paula Levine, we were told it was not common. Thomas Yeadon, they're extremely common. Now, if Yeadon's going to go out and say that, you know people are going to check up on it. Uh-oh, those dirty facts again. Yeadon took over as city attorney in 2012 after serving 27 years as the assistant attorney. Most of our cases are dealt down to littering. We look at assault cases more closely than we would run-of-the-mill disorderly conduct. Oftentimes in assault cases, there are differing versions of who did what to whom, but it's still fairly common plea agreement. Myers said... He totaled all closed assault and battery cases in East Lansing based on public records 
from 2014 to 2017, earlier this month. Of the 52 he found, many of which do not deal with MSU athletes, 34 ended in a conditional civil infraction. The free press has not inspected the documents Myers referenced. Well, I mean, why would you? Right? Why would you inspect those before writing the piece? Most of the 34 cases, Myers said, were pled down to a littering fine similar to Walton. Eight resulted in guilty or no contest pleas, either alone or as part of an agreement. Five were dismissed outright. Four were dismissed as part of another plea deal, one resulting in a finding of guilt by jury trial. Thompson, who told ESPN she was, quote, heartbroken and livid that Walton's case was reduced to a life uh, to a littering infraction, received reduced charges herself from a 2009 plea agreement. According to 54B, a judge dismissed her charges of operating while intoxicated and possession of marijuana and gave her a traffic citation for improper lane use. Huh. Interesting. To quote Lieutenant Joe Kenda, well, my, my, my. She herself, the victim, had gotten a DUI with marijuana possession and had that those charges knocked down to a small-level civil fine. Don't know if it was littering, but there. What does that have to do with anything? Oh, well, I mean, you didn't tell us. It has something to do with something. And the thrust of it is, ESPN's point was, this This looks fishy. Oh, here we go. Big university sweeping these athlete cases under the rug, leaning on local prosecutors, highly unusual. What's that? Oh, it happens. Oh, it does happen all the time. Never mind. 32 out of 54 cases, this is how it's done. And this is why people have a big problem with ESPN. Dick Vitale apparently went on for four minutes. Valenti said later in this segment, Four minutes, Vital went on the air on Saturday, I guess, railing about Michigan State over something or another. And Valenti called Vital what he really is at this point, which is just a gas bag. A gas bag who doesn't really care for reading or the facts or anything else. And, by the way, a gas bag who loved Rick Pitino. Now, there's a real scumbag coach. I don't think Izzo is in the wrong on any of this stuff. I don't like Izzo, but I don't think he's in the wrong. Good job. Great work by Mike Valenti. He's biased, of course. He went to Michigan State. That has to be said. He is completely and utterly biased in that regard. But the facts that he's bringing to light here are certainly the facts. They do not carry with it any bias one way or the other. It's just the facts. These things happen all the time. But do you think ESPN was going to spike all the time and money they spent on this story to try to bungee cord Michigan State basketball and football around the Larry Nasser story, which was hot, by the way, hot at the time? Remember, programming, they need programming. No, they're not going to spike all that stuff. They're not going to go, oh, God, we made a few calls, actually. This always happens in college campuses from law enforcement. It certainly happens all the time at East Lansing involving non Student athletes, so yeah, so what's our what's our story here? What's news here exactly? Let's just go ahead and forget. Turn in Paula, turn in all those expense reports for those nine trips you made to Michigan State. We'll make sure to reimburse you for them, but uh yeah, we got no story. Nothing.
Of course they're not going to do that. All right, time for Drew Olson. We'll talk bubblegum trucks, fungo bats, the imminent death of physical newspapers, and much more. Single section of our album. Good day. Good day. Uh, Getty Lee is here from Rush. Uh, hi, Getty. I'm Bob. This record was my idea. Get out. It was. You're lying. He holds it here just sort of rid on my coattail. Why are you doing this? It was our idea together. Right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. We agreed. I figured I'd give Drew Olsen a new theme song. <laughs> Take off. I hear it snowed up there recently in Wisconsin. Hello, Drew Olson from the Big 920 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, joining us, as he does every week. What's up, Drew? It is great, and it is white, Zabe. We did get a lot of snow, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking spring. I'm thinking warm thoughts. Pitchers and catchers report this week. That'll warm your cockles. It sure will warm the cockles, and I was going to ask you about that. Let's start with that today. I love the stories of the baseball truck loaded with bubblegum and fungo bats has left Miller Park. That, a, a, a tradition unlike any other, right, Drew? That is my second favorite staged television photo op of all. <laughs> behind the truck, only... The truck full of baseball the, the, shit oh, headed south. And in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee especially, what they show packing? The Johnsonville Racing Sausages. Because oh, that's important. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The sausages go to spring oh, training hell yeah. as well? Every game where the Brewers play at Maryville Baseball Park, they have the really? sausage race. Oh, of oh, course. Yeah. Of course, I'm thinking Florida. You guys don't go to Florida. You're in Arizona. Oh, they're in Arizona. And the, that is where well, the sausages race, as they do in the sixth inning. And then they, they head up to the concourse, and fans go up there to get pictures, and it chokes traffic. It's amazing. They're a big attraction. Unbelievable. Now, here's All right, so dump. wait, wait. i got to get to my favorite yeah, stage okay. shot. All right. Because the the trucks in in the frigid winter in the loading dock, the south loading dock at Miller Park, they load all the equipment and you see all the bat bags and you're right, fungo bags. Let's, let's go through all the equipment, shall oh, God. we? Because all the tools, sure. training of tables, the game. Okay, training tables. Think, of, think of everything in the training room. Training tables, medical supplies. Why wouldn't they have that in Maryville? Well, they do, but there's like special stuff Extras. that they need. Oh, special extra ones. stuff. Okay. Yeah, extra stuff. All um, right, so training tables, check. Check. What else? Uniforms. Do, do they bring their own baseballs to Arizona, um, or do I, they get shipped I think directly they would, there? I think they would get shipped there, but there are some that they probably bring. It depends. I mean, you know, they probably have some you know, that are used that they want to, you know, use up and in their useful life. It's okay. all, all all manner of baseball equipment. Okay. So what else do we got? Training tables. How about uh, catcher's gear? I'm sure there's plenty of that too. I mean, if guys leave gear. You know, guys who left last year left gear and they were coming back. That If it was at Miller Park, they're hauling it down there. Okay, this is a legitimate question. I'm a catcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Give me your catcher's depth chart right now. Uh, well, there's a bunch of guys, but it's basically Stephen Vogt and Manny Pena are the two main guys. All right, I'm Manny Pena. I'm the backup catcher. Okay, okay. He might, Well, he might be the star co-catcher, yeah. yeah. All right, and I'm getting ready to report to spring training. And I'm on the plane, and the captain's like, uh, you can take off seatbelts. By the way, do they all fly separately or they go together? Uh, everybody flies in from wherever they are. Most of them are already there. A lot of guys live in Arizona. So they don't fly into Milwaukee and then get on the plane to go? No, no. They were in Milwaukee okay. contractually right. for an on-deck event uh, a couple weeks ago. All right. So they get there on their own. So so Pena's up in the air, and he's like, uh, listen to the captain say, right, go ahead and uh, start walking around the cabin. And he's like, oh, shit, I forgot my shin guards. <laughs> 
Or, or is that not the thing? Like, does he literally have to pack his catcher shit to take to spring training? If he took it home to Venezuela or something and has stuff that he loves, but probably not. And they probably start the season with fresh gear, so they probably don't. Fresh? Yeah, I would think they probably do. What I mean, if it's not I mean, broken into? I think his guys liking. will take a gloves home and and maybe some bats, but then you, they, you arrive at spring training, you get a bat order. But there might, like, let's say Manny Pena's got a couple dozen of his maple bats that he likes in Milwaukee. They're shipping them down to spring training. So, in other words, there's not going to be any shortage of any equipment whatsoever, and the guys themselves will not be required to bring it. No. In fact, it's very funny because um, I talk to the equipment guys a lot, and I went to fantasy camp, and you know what that's like. Oh, it's the best. But it used to be, like, those guys, would they'd have to pay for shower shoes and a jock. They were given uniforms, but they would have to pay for underwear. Really? T-shirts and stuff. Oh, yeah. Just the Brewers to, or all major All leaders? teams. It wasn't part of the thing. I mean, you showed up for work and you had to, you know, you'd have your glove contract. The glove guys come in early in camp and you can go pick out a glove. And a lot of these guys have custom gloves and stuff now. But Reminds me of the family guy with Consuela saying in court, we need more lemon pledge. And the lawyer's like, yeah, but no, you should really bring that from home. We're not responsible for that. So the shower shoes and other shit for baseball players, it used to be, no, that's your deal. Yeah. We're not going to take care of it. And then they folded it into like the clubhouse dues and everything, and they've, they've, it's, they're taken care of, put it that okay. way. They, they don't have to. If you show up without a cup, there's one there. Okay, and the thing that cracks me up is in addition to the fungo bats, first of all, fungo bat is what? A miniature bat, basically a, a half bat it's, used just for hitting yeah. grounders? It's, it's, a lot of times they're just long and thin for hitting okay. wrapping ground balls or fly balls, yeah. So they're good one-handed bats, correct? Uh, can be. I mean, they're 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 the usual length nowadays. But yeah, they. But they're thinner and lighter. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you can you can just wrap out some ground balls for infield Control. or fly balls, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And uh, is it hard to hit? Like, if I were to pick up a fungo bat and try to hit some balls, would it be difficult? It would take you a while. It would take okay. you a while. Yeah. It would. And and there are uh, some guys are skilled at it, and depending and you can, you know, the, you can blister them at guys. You can make guys run. What are they? What are they made of? Fungo bat. Same, you know, just Same. ash, ash. Yeah, there, there's um, ash or hickory or maple. It's ash. Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen any any maple ones because they're not in danger of breaking. Hey, generally. when are you gonna talk sports on this podcast? I mean, it's talking to bat talk, chewing right? tobacco, underwear. What more do you want? Uh, they don't provide. Baseball teams used to provide chewing tobacco to the players. Yes, correct? there were racks of it. Yeah. What year did that stop? Oh, I want to say when Joe Gargiola started trotting around with this guy, his name was Tuttle, I think that this he guy lost was, his face, lost half his face. Yeah, um, they started to do that every spring, and guys would walk out of the meeting ghostly white and say, "I'm never dipping again." And then two hours later, you'd see They're them dipping. loading up. Yeah, right, they'd exactly. be loading up. Um, but yeah, it's it was been it's been within the last ten years, probably. I bet add another ten, Drew. We're getting old quick. The um, years fly by. I bet it's been twenty. I bet it's uh, been twenty. I don't know that it's been that long since they did because it was around a CBA or something, and it was kind of slipped in. And no mi- minor leagues, no tobacco at all. Not even on the field. Nowhere. Okay. When are they going to now? When are they going to ban sunflower seeds? Because you know that's next. Uh, yeah, the sodium's bad for you. It's bad for the turf. Um, yeah. I can't believe you equated sunflower seeds with tobacco, which can cause you to lose your face, Zabe, and you're so insensitive. You need to get woke, man, on this. <laughs> so so it, out on the Major League ball field, can a guy dip with his own dip or no? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, they, uh, they can oh, and yeah. they do. Yeah, they do, yeah. But in the minor leagues... You can't. They're trying and, to socialize it out and trying to make it so that those kids don't start the habit. Okay, where, where? How do they enforce that then? I don't think it's very tightly enforced, to be honest. I don't think. Uh, I don't so think they're. A, what's they're the not pulling down anybody's lower lip. <laughs> what's the prescribed penalty 
I, I'm not even sure what it is. I don't know if it's a fine or a you know ejection. I, I haven't even looked, but they just it's outlawed in the minor leagues. Okay. Now, and, uh, okay. Now, my favorite shot. Of, hold on. How's uh, we got to get the cliches? How about you and dipping? Do you dip? I no. I did briefly in high school, but never really liked it. Really? Yeah. That, uh, I don't know. I, I was a that. big. I was a big leaf guy. I was like a red man guy. Never the Copenhagen Ooh. snuff guy. So the whole leaf, huh? Yeah, I was. I was that guy <laughs> with the big Rod Carew chaw. Plug in there. Yeah, yeah. I never liked the snuff because it would always like break up around my lip, and it was. I couldn't keep a proper dip together. <laughs> Are dip cups not the most disgusting thing? Oh Earth? man, yeah. I, I worked with a guy who dipped during radio shows, and it was. Yeah, so did I, Chris Cooley. Disgusting. Still does. Yeah. <laughs> Big pen, that guy. Okay, yeah. back to the truck of stuff. Yes. The other favorite shot. My other favorite training. shot. of it, it warms the cockles like, okay, we see this. But then my, my, my all-time favorite cliche sports shot is the team, the football team getting off the bus at the hotel. Oh. Packers are playing uh, Kansas City. We're live in Kansas City, and here are the Packers at the hotel getting off the, the bus at the you hotel like that, with their you bags. Like, you like that better? Well, that's a good one. Such a cliche. Right, and, and, like, in Wisconsin, that is, you know, it's Packers, so it's got it's like the lead fucking story. Right. But they want to show that shot because they it's want an to, establishing shot. They want to prove that they spent the money to go there, and they get, like, no interviews with play. Once in a while, they used to get, like, maybe a rookie would stop and talk to him, but now it's no interviews. We just need a shot of the team. Here's the coach. Here's Aaron Rodgers. Here's Clay Matthews with their headphones on walking past the, the camera to go into the hotel. <laughs> you know what's funny, though, Because what else? There's no practice to cover the day right. for the game. There's nothing else, and we're here, so we have to it do this. seems like a totally stupid, useless shot because you could just as easily say the Packers are in Chicago. You don't have to show Exactly. Them. We don't have to show But here uh, we are. It's uh, just, uh, look. But, uh, uh, we're in television. Oh, we're yeah. Not. Well, we're not in television. Oh, no, but they are. They're in television. Yeah. And they are in the business of showing you things, exactly. even things that are mundane. And then, well, and th- it spins into, that's the sports side. The news side equivalent, we just saw it. Here's a snowstorm, and like here are people at the store buying shovels and snowblowers. And then here's that gnat sound of a shovel scraping <laughs> against, the, <laughs> against the surface as a man's yeah. shoveling. Yeah. I'm Trisha Takanawa. Down here at the local <laughs> Nye's Hardware, they're running out of shovels. <laughs> Interview exactly. with local hardware man. Interview with person on the street. Interview through the van window of a of a mom saying, "I've got to get home for the kids. It's going to snow tonight." That and is, then wrap and repeat. That is uh, absolutely true. And then there's this. Hey, let's let's send it to uh, to Brett Michaels standing in front of the salt pile where the plows are loading up with salt to salt the highways. They act like uh, it's never freaking snowed before. How about, how about if there's a tree that falls in the summer because of a thunderstorm? They have to go put their live oh. truck in front of it because it's a good visual. That's all exactly. it is. There's nothing unusual about a tree falling in high winds or a thunderstorm. But, oh, look, it's good visual. It's all draped over this uh, this car and these power lines. Good visual. Good visual. Let's go right. get it. If it bleeds, it leads. You know that. I know, exactly. So why do they bring bubble gum? They should just have the bubble gum shipped to spring training, I love that they're packing it up. Well, they got to, yeah, they got to pack it up. Well, and that's the thing is, like, you if you have all this, why have it shipped? Why not use what you have and then you know reallocate the supply and have stuff sent back to to Milwaukee for the regular season or send I'm, it back? I'm surprised that there isn't a team that has partnered with some shipping company to be the official shipper and then tell TV stations, oh. Drew, come on down. I want you to film our empty truck. Because we're not trucking any of this shit to Maryvale. We've got Nifty Ship. 
the official shipping company of the Milwaukee Brewers. Ding, ding, ding. There you I should go. be a marketer. You right should there. be. There, it, it's untapped resources of revenue. But and uh, So cases of Powerade, Gatorade, whatever we got, there's, they ship all that stuff, man. Okay. Changing gears slightly in baseball, Esteban Loiza. <laughs> what the fuck? Drug mule busted with 40-plus pounds of Colombian Bam Bam, as Ricky Bobby's dad would say. After making something like $40 million plus as a major league pitcher, the most accomplished Mexican national pitcher in the history of baseball. What the hell? That is uh, something else, man. Uh, the cartel got him. Who knows? I, he Did had a lot of money. Him? No, I, I saw him pitch, and I may have interviewed him in passing. Right. He but. was a gnat for a little while. I didn't know him. I didn't talk to him, but still. So what do you think? There, the, the story I think of with him is I remember – Mark Burley had a year when they were both with the White Sox together, and Burley missed like one start the whole year, and it was to let Luiza go for, I don't know if it was his 21st victory, or he let him let him go for a uh, some kind of milestone, and Burley sat out, and it was very selfless, and it was cool. Um, maybe he was getting a kick from the drug money. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you think he got tangled up in the cartel, maybe? I, I, have, I mean, he had a lot of money. I have no idea. Family, you know... Uh, guys, you think you know guys when you see them every day? This guy pitched for a long time, but everybody in the baseball industry was just stunned by this. They were I floored. Bet, Even his I, agent said, oh, yeah, are what you the kidding hell? me? What the hell? I bet it is quite a story of my brother or my cousin got in deep with the cartel, and I tried to help him. Next thing I know, they're saying, well, you carry this stuff across the border because you're a famous major league pitcher, former major league pitcher and they're not going to bust you and it's like this sophie's choice of do i help my cousin avoid getting beheaded by the mexican cartel or take a chance to smuggle in drugs oops i just got caught that that's the eternal question like how and how long what what's the deal i mean it's do you do you watch any of those like the to me drew the mexican drug cartel is the some of the scariest shit on the earth like I fear them more than I fear ISIS. Oh man, yeah, they you know have why? these. Uh, yeah. You know why? Because they're more organized than ISIS. Oh, absolutely. They've got. They've they run got, a better business. They they run a better business. They got more money than ISIS, and they really don't fuck around because it's all about the money. Like anything that goes wrong, they're like, "Fuck it, we're not going to make as much money, and we need to make money because everyone in this business has to kick up to the next guy." So, fuck it. If you don't have your shipment, psh, there goes your head. Yeah. Um. And then you get deeper into it, and this is where the conspiracy stuff starts. You read deeper into the Wire story about Luiza. He was, yeah. he was married for two years to a Mexican-American singer, Jenny Rivera. Did not know that. She filed for divorce shortly before she died in a plane crash in 2012. Oh, what uh, what kind of plane crash? That's, you know, there's not a lot of... Um, Interesting. Uh, Luiza sued the aircraft's owners in 2014 for wrongful death, but her relatives accused him of trying to profit from her death. He denied the accusations, later retracted his lawsuit. She wasn't in the same plane with Roy Halliday, was she? Uh, no. Oh. God. Too soon, Zabe. Too, too soon. Too soon. Don't you know the rule on beloved guys dying? Yes. It's at least six months. Six months grieving, three, month, three months of walking gently up to any joke, and then you're free to go after that. Well, anyway. All right. Did you uh, you want to weigh in on the Ron Borges story? Because you are a guy that oh, uh, man. is of a reporting background. And yeah. you have to verify sources and confirm things. Where do you stand on the Borges fiasco with it, the Tom Brady's? Story? It looks really bad. 
for him, and it is bad. It's bad for the industry. So, kind of surprised in this day and age that it doesn't happen more. But if Don Yee, if, if you're Ron Borges and Don Yee texts you from a number, it's like, new number, bro. It's like, wait a minute. Like, new I, number, I, who did? He should have his number, right, I would think. And they, they, if they've communicated before, they've done it through a channel and you have a trust or – well, or, they hey, had the challenge. Let me call you right back or something. Or They had a challenge phrase. The Bat Boy Salons. Yeah. And there was some reply, and I guess it was good enough. But just like phone numbers can get hacked or stolen or acquired, challenge phrases can get stolen, hacked, or acquired. And one thing led to another. I really think it was the whole Adam Schefter is going to have it next week thing that sent Borges over the edge like, fuck that little weasel, no way. I'm not letting him get this juicy story. I'm on it. Yeah, this is, uh, and you got to, the old day, the old thing about get another source. If your mom says she loves you, get it confirmed by two other sources. Um, <laughs> is that what they say that, in reporting? That, that's, that's, that's what they, they used to say. Now it's like, what do you think's going to happen? Let's go with that. We need it right now. You yeah, know, give us the tweet it piece. now. Give us a this is possible piece. Like when yeah. ESPN ran with the, hey, in theory, LeBron could go to the Warriors next year. Oh, and they pumped that up for a whole day. They used it as grist for the old you know, yak mill all day long on all of their rundown shows, as I call them. And, well, technically, yes, they could cut a bunch of guys, trade a bunch of guys, make room, and convince LeBron this is your best move. The possibility of that happening, the atmospherics of that being remotely something LeBron would want were non-existent. Yes. And they went with it and they got a, they and they milked it. Well, just, you know, again, we've seen them milk Tebow, we've seen them milk all kinds of stuff for John. But for Ron Borges though, it's embarrassing like if that is me, I, I don't know what his situation is, but you'd be tempted to just resign and crawl under a rock somewhere and just really? you know, go into the fetal position. Yeah, absolutely. It's the your credibility is not enough. All you got is your credibility, right? And he he got taken, and he got apologized to Don Yee. Right. But and you got you got taken. But I also think you see these breaking news events with shootings and highway deaths, and sure. you know, and people come on there and you know they, they go to somebody who's on the scene, and all of a sudden he's talking about Baba Booey and Howard Stern's penis, and you know, like like how the hell did that happen? Because and we're just scrambling to get in, it on. In the print side, you feel like we're superior to that, and we'd never let that happen in the moment. We're we're supposed to have better judgment and you know news judgment and stuff. But uh, man, I mean. <laughs> It's, it's a tough one. It right is there. a tough one. I mean, how did Manti Teo get catfished? Uh, that's basically it's it. Basically, so, what happened? And, and so, did you always make sure to talk to your sources instead of just take a text as okay, this is good enough? Like, yeah. Well, what was and, the biggest story you ever broke? Through? The heydays of my beat writing. It was never. Um, it was never texting. Wasn't that common then? It was always you know, had to get people on the phone. It was, kind of, it was early cell phones, and really? in the heydays, it was, was it was it texting where you had to go, you know. Through each number, like A, B, C, okay. Yeah, that, 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 <laughs> pretty that, 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 much. That's, like every letter was, took five pushes of a button, basically. It was that prehistoric, yeah. Um, uh, big breaks I had was, you know, like managers and getting fired and general managers getting fired and stuff. I, I actually, uh, I had the, I broke the first big story and there was a huge debate about it on the internet for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, where it used to be like, should we put this on the internet? Then the TV stations will get it. Let's save it for the paper in the morning. You know, and now it's like, are you kidding me? Wow. This was a quaint debate, but this, the internet was, you know, papers were, they didn't, nobody know, nobody knew how to save it for the newspaper. Yeah. Nobody knew how to, how to handle the web and the immediacy of it. It was never like the web was secondary. Newspapers had websites. Now websites have newspapers. 
The New York Times CEO said yesterday, Drew, that he thinks print has 10 more years. That sounds about right when people start, uh, you know, when people who have to have that paper on their on their yeah. kitchen table, when they start rolling a seven, <laughs> when they start, <laughs> when all those people tip over, um, right. that'll be about the end, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I hate hearing that, although I totally understand the reality of it. Hey, my, my take on that is always, if, if, it was inter- if it was introduced today, that we could create this this bundle of news of and internet. information, and we could just print out of the internet and have it delivered to your door every morning. And It'd hold be it a modern freaking miracle. I know, but here's the thing, and this is how fucked up we've all become, and this is how perverse our news consumption and what we're doing to each other as citizens has become in the wake of it. It used to be the news was curated and professionally edited and presented by professional journalists. Granted, a lot of them biased, had agendas, but so be it. You kind of knew which way certain newspapers went. You took it as part and parcel of, here's the news. Okay, so they printed the news after a process of gathering, curating, editing, writing, rewriting, source checking. Okay, it's good to go. We've got something that is worth reading. Boom, it's in the paper. The paper gets delivered. We as citizens pick up the paper, we read it, and we absorb it, and we think about it. And next time we're on a bus with a friend, we might talk about that story and have an exchange face-to-face. Or we might not talk about it immediately. We might file it away for later, and then when it comes time at a family discussion, you think, okay, now's a good time to talk about X or Y or Z. Nowadays, Drew, you get a story that is posted on the Internet. People immediately do one of three things. Quickly scan it and then go on to something else because our attention spans are so pathetically short. (laughs) True. Write a scathing, blistering comment that's really going to put the writer in his place. Oh, yeah? Well, you're full of shit. Here you go, and I'm going to prove you why. So already the, the punches are being thrown the minute the story comes out. Or it's posted to Facebook to then shove the story in somebody else's face that you disagree with. See, see this story here says ABC, not DEF. You're wrong. It's totally unhealthy. It's It's, complete shit. And then the stories that get promoted are promoted based on algorithms. Yep. Algorithms. We are slaves to the algorithm. Hey, that could be a hit song. Don't steal it for me, Drew. I won't, I won't. Yeah, but, the, the but news has been weaponized. Yes, the news has been weaponized. And the first step of that was people telling people not to trust because anybody who says like Walter Cronkite and all those people had bias, that, that was ginned up. It was never as bad as what we have now. When Well, know, now everyone's biased. Exactly. Now, now, now there's no... You know. there, it's all advocacy pieces, and basically. To spin this back to sports, what's happened now is that sports used to be the toy store, right? And it used to be, oh, look at those idiots. They're covering shit that doesn't mean anything. And we're over here covering policy, and we're over here with our tweed jackets and our pipes, and you know, <laughs> we're over here covering stuff that really matters. you know. And now sports, you get – I've always said the sports section would have some of the best writing and reporting and some of the worst probably on a given day. But it's, it's more honest than the political – the sports discourse is more honest than what goes on politically now. You feel that way? I absolutely do. Really? Because okay. you know, if you come you don't on, feel like sports has been politicized you, almost every bit. As it, it 
Yeah, but it's, but I'm like I've said, it's more honest. If you if the Redskins, you work for a station that's affiliated with the Redskins, right? And if if they owned pl- by, if they not owned affiliated, by, owned, owned by. by, if they play like shit, and you come on and try to spin it the way I don't know, like a Kellyanne Conway would or a Baghdad Bob, <laughs> you're not going to be on the air. You're not going to get any listeners. No one's going to trust you. But yeah, but I might get a raise. We have, oh, no, hey, but we have an there, industry Zane. now Way where spin that yeah, loss. people spin and on the other side. And what happened was I saw it in the last ten years, just as being a media geek and observer they started to cover politics like sports and it's no longer like it, it, it's never it's no like, longer what is the issue yeah, at hand. what's the issue and what's should, the impact of this should, policy it's like right. how will this policy affect the the, the election the, it's you know. who's winning and it's who's exactly sucks. it's just exactly. goof on the other side and, and who's everybody winning. has to, every story has to have a winner and a loser whereas you know tax policy might not have you know that yeah. how about some nuance you know well, yeah and it's also like well how about the merits of uh dis- and, the, uh, dis- dissembling the non-proliferation treaty piece by piece starting in europe oh well we don't care about that all we know is that you know chuck schumer sucks Rand Paul's a douche. Yeah, exactly. Story on and, B6. Oh, wait, there's no story on B6 because it's on the Internet. It's it's going to be served up algorithmically to your phone any, where you're going to ignore it quickly and go, eh, okay, and Any story you uh, you disagree with is dismissed as fake news, and any story you agree with is, you're right, shoved in other people's faces. But, again, the, the newspaper, if it was invented today, would be a modern miracle just as another dying industry, Zabe. I can write a letter here. I can lick a 49-cent stamp. I can put it in a mailbox, that and a man will pick it up. Cents? Yeah, and a man Holy will pick it up and shit. take it to your house in Virginia, and you'll have it in two days. Ever since they stopped printing the cost of a stamp on a stamp, I've totally lost touch. I'd be like one of those politicians that bombs <laughs> out of the know. race early because I have no fucking idea. Stamps cost 49 cents? They do. Yes. Holy shit. Why am I not doing all electronic bill paying? I'm losing my ass licking envelopes and putting stamps on. Think about the miracle of that, though. You know, you, you drop that and you take that to your mailbox. A guy picks it up and it's delivered it's across still the country a pretty good deal. for 49 fucking cents. It's still a pretty it's good a great deal. deal. It's a great It's such a great deal. They're losing money hand over fist. The, the post office is bankrupt. But then again, that's also to do with union contracts. And we won't get into that. Let's get into yes. to close today. Our favorite segment every week takes a certain guy to say FTG. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Okay, this week's edition of FTG. Drew, you will start out. Who deserves the FTG for you this week? It can be a real guy. can be a real gal. It I have could be a prototype guy, a prototype gal. Doesn't have to be a specific person. Who's your fuck that guy? For I you? have an honorable mention. Fuck that guy today. My honorable mention, not whoa, the main whoa. course, not the main course. So my, you got two. Yep. My honorable mention. You sure you don't want to save it for next I'm week? I'm positive. You, you sure you're going to find someone else, <laughs> dude? I can, are you kidding me? I got lists. <laughs> I got legal pads full of people. The last thing I'm worried about is running out of fuck that guys. Okay, go ahead. Honorable mention is anybody who cracks a microphone or even says to their buddy at the bar today, boy, you know, Steve Kerr is a disgrace and he embarrassed the Suns in the NBA by letting his players coach last night. That was fucking brilliant. It was awesome. Steve Kerr is my favorite coach in all of sports right now. I did not see that last night. Steve Kerr. Against facing the Suns, he let his players coach the game. He told them on Saturday he got his two hundred fifty fiftieth win. He handed the the he handed the the little dry erase board to different players. Draymond Green was out with an ankle injury. He was diagramming plays. Oh, okay. He let his players run the game, and they okay. beat the Suns, who suck. Now Guess the Suns what? are one of the three worst teams in the league, they and people really are. are saying, 
well, this is an affront, and he he coached the team, and you're well, getting paid, any, and you made a mockery of that, the sanctity of a. I'm with you on that. Fuck anyone who says a, a that. Monday That's a Monday night. Joke. Yes, but but I would say to Kerr, be careful. You might be giving owners an idea. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> they might go. Why am uh, I paying this guy seven million? I, he's new agey and secure enough, and okay. I I dig his vibe, man. I like the cut of his jib. He's, okay. Look what he's done. Look what you. I've seen some of the. You see some of the behind the scenes clips right. of him talking to his players. So fuck anybody who says that Steve Kerr made a mockery of a game. First of all, the NBA regular season ain't that exciting or important. No, right? I think the offseason more exciting. I'm already oh. looking to fast forward to the summer, see where LeBron exactly. goes. Exactly. The trade deadline in the offseason, way more exciting than the regular right. season. The that NBA. was your runner-up? That's my honorable. Okay, what is your real fuck that guy? And then guy? my real fuck that guy, He's if, if we have a fuck that guy Hall of Fame, he's the inaugural inductee. It's LeVar Ball. It oh, has yeah. to be. It has to be. Super duper. Trying to hold hostage teams when you got two shitty sons playing in Lithuania that no one's going to want, and you have one son who's playing that's you know reasonably decent, but you're trying to leverage this to you take them all or none. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Don't even mention the shitty shoes he's selling. All that I stuff. Know. Come on. I mean, he's he is in the Hall of Fame. I have another fuck you, sir. I didn't get to it. My fuck that guy for the week, uh, without a doubt, my fuck that guy is Josh McDaniels. Bro, look, I know you think you're hot shit because you've been coaching our Belichick. You think that these jobs are easy to come by. You've now turned one down. I hope you never get a head coaching job in the league. There's a ton of guys out there way older than you, smarter than you, better than you, who've been grinding for years, who would kill for a job, even with a noodle-shouldered Andrew Luck, and you just left them at the altar. Fuck you, Josh McDaniels. He's my fuck that guy for the week. All right, Drew, your Twitter handle is? At Drew Olson, MKE. Some exciting stuff with the Drew Olson show this week. We're doing a fake Olympics with events like beer pong and chair races and stuff around the studio here because uh, we're bored and there's nothing really important to talk about. Good. It's like Flunkerton in the office. You're creating your own Olympic Games at the radio station. Yes, sir. Very good. Drew, good to talk to you. Thanks, bud. You bet, Zabe. All right, and that'll be a wrap on another stellar edition. Spirited run, my friend. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, right, buddy. All right, man. See you. See you. Let's close with this today. Wild boars. Heard of them? They are quite something in the animal world, and they are quite a problem in certain parts of the U.S. But now this giant hog, Hogzilla, as some call these giant hogs, Hogzilla has come to Hogwarts in the UK. Parents spotted a giant hog eating from garbage bins recently outside of a primary school. Actually, not in the UK, in Hong Kong. This is in Hong Kong. Uh, The humongous boar, also dubbed Pigzilla, is seen in the short video standing on its hind hooves leaning over the trash bin with its little sowlings or sucklings or what do they call the rest of their kids? I was looking at the special term here. Um, out of the garbage bins. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. This thing looks like on its hind legs, on its hind hooves, is seven feet tall. Now, the garbage bins may be deceiving in size. Maybe he's only six foot three. But damn it, he looks seven foot if he looks an inch. And the back of this wild boar with its front legs, 
totally muscled. It almost looks like a cartoon boar where you'd say, okay, give it more muscles. Okay, yeah, there you go. Make its face meaner. Wild boars are a problem because, oh, the sounders, that's who it is. Males tend to leave their sounders, meaning their herd, at a young age. So it's probably not a male, it's probably a female, which doesn't mean anything in the animal world because, as we all know, the females are often the fiercer, meaner, more deadly ones because they know how to protect their young. Some have actually expressed concerns for the pig and her family, suggesting, well, if these pigs had enough to eat, they wouldn't have to go scourging through garbage bins. That might be the dumbest take ever, but it is the internet, so people are going to have dumb takes. They're pigs! (laughs) Where does the term don't be a pig come from? They eat everything. It's not that they don't have enough food to eat. These are not starving pigs. This is a pig being a pig. They probably ate five minutes ago somewhere else in the city in Hong Kong or in a bamboo forest. They're scourging for more. They're pigs. They can also attack people. I know there was, when we remember we had Hogzilla in the U.S., and it was this unbelievably, insanely huge hog. Maybe bigger than this one in the picture in the video that's come out recently. I read up about how, yeah, in the Southwest they're a big problem. Florida, not the Southwest, Southeast, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, you name it. Pigs all over the place. Feral hogs, you can't get rid of them. They reproduce really well. They're hard to kill. Nothing else in the animal kingdom is afraid of them. And they've actually organized hunts to go take these things out. I believe Rock, producer for Bob and Brian, sent me some pig bacon some some pig bacon. Listen to me. I'm like Homer Simpson. Sure, Lisa. All that all that food comes from one magical animal. <laughs> what are you talking about? Pig and bacon, bacon and pork and sausage. Oh yeah, one animal. Um, I got wild boar bacon from Eric Jensen Rock, who went down to Florida, I think, to go wild boar hunting, and he sent back some of the bacon. It was wasn't that good. I mean, I ate it. It's bacon. It's meat. But it was not exactly like the Oscar Mayer maple syrup flavored deliciousness that I buy at the store. Heads up for the new Pigzilla in Hong Kong. You might want to take care of that. Somebody with a good high-powered rifle and a good aim. Get on. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. You know the drill. Tell two friends. Leave a positive review. Make sure to watch out for Pigzillas in your neighborhood. Get your pigs spayed and neutered. As always, download and subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, and more. And we will see you next time.